Hello, welcome back to Podden Ancient here on Rogue Opinions. My name is Scott McLeod and we are here. You're probably listening to this the day of the Kenobi finale, much anticipated end to the six-part series, but we are here to take you through episode five of Kenobi, an episode that answered a lot of questions and had a lot of important moments to delve right into. And to go through this, I am joined by the Obi-Wan Kenobi to my Anakin Skywalker. Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> good wigs and all, it is copious. Hello, yes. And that, that's because I'm the master and you're just a Padawan. You don't mean it by an age thing, do you now? That and he cut my legs off years ago. <laughs> I don't ever forgive you for that. I told you I had the high grind, but you just wouldn't listen, would you? <laughs> I just thought you were chatting bollocks. <laughs> like, okay, I'll, show, I'll show you high ground. <laughs> don't, don't worry, listeners. Scott has both his legs. He has all four limbs. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no back to tank trips for me. <laughs> so, uh, we were talking about it before we started. Uh, you know, there's a bit of anticipation. Well, not a bit, a lot of anticipation, obviously, for the, the end because you want to see how everything wraps up. And also, season finales are always meant to be, you know, something you look forward to. But there's also a little bit of sadness because even though they tease it, uh, like whenever you McGregor's really asked about it, like he talks about it, he wouldn't be he would be open to a Kenobi sequel. But you know, there's also the part where you think you don't want a let me overdo it. So it's pretty much a goodbye almost in a way, depending on how successful this goes to you McGregor as Obi Wan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's basically all he said he'd be open to doing more, but you've got to make sure the story's there because the the more you make, the more sort of plot holes and continued errors you're gonna you're gonna make for yourselves. So um, yeah, you you've got to be careful, really, when you 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 do you do your prequels. Yeah, yeah, and plus, like given the timeline and everything, I think. The same period in the Star Wars versus we're going to be worried about when that that sequel game is coming out to Jedi Fallen Order is set, and then five years out after the series is when Rebels are. So inevitably you're going to start crossing timelines and everything. And as you said, that's when you start causing you know confusion and everything. So as much as we might want more, it's best to go on a high. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, I think this was as good a story as they could have got together really for for what Obi was Obi Wan was doing in the um years between a Revenge of the Sith and a New Hope. And yeah, you don't what what would the next series be? Six episodes of him just watching Luke. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I know I mean I know it's a large period of time and you gotta think well it has to be active you know during that time in a way, but you know he also was very old by the time he got to you know new so you don't want to be doing too much in that time. And I'm pretty sure there's some comics out there that are that have been that have been told are now canon, but also are maybe set after this series of like Obi Wan and Tatooine. And apparently, in one of these comics, he actually has a fight with Black Crescenton. Oh right, which I think would have been I cool. Knew that, yeah, 
yeah, if they could have somehow got him in this series, you know, because he was killing, uh, you know, bigger with it. Obi Wan, no, he didn't use his lightsaber. He's got his gun there, and then you got Chris out there where he's electrified, you know, knuckle dusters. That would be pretty interesting, to be fair. <laughs> so you know that. Now that I know that happens in comic form, I really want to see it live action, you know. It's the ultimate fight to me, you know. I can see the My Way video package and everything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, not really much else to talk about, I don't think, that I've heard all in terms of developments or uh, news. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but I was on social media last week or so, and at one point it just randomly kicked off when it came out that uh, apparently Miss Marvel was as entertaining as it's been the last two episodes had like has like so far it's the lowest like number of people watch the premiere of this than any other Marvel premiere show on Disney Plus. Do you think okay, fair enough? But then again, it still was over seven hundred and something k people, so it's still a large audience. Nothing to be sniffed at. Uh, and then people rightfully point out, well. He released this like a few weeks into Kenobi. Everybody was probably watching that as well. And there's so much content. It's, it's a new character. Plus, you know, it was one of the few shows not to rely on a big name cast and a big role. And then yeah. fucking fans of the boys joined in and basically said the boys is better than anything on Disney Plus Marvel-wise. So for some reason, it kicked off. And I don't know why. You know, Twitter's usually a happy place. Everybody, everybody gets so territorial these days about the things they like, don't they? It's very, it's very hard. It's like you, you, can, you can only like one thing, and that's the hill you you have to die on. It's uh, it's all very strange, but but there you go. And yeah, I agree with you. With what you said, uh, Marvel's probably not got the numbers a lot, a lot like a lot of us. Um, series for the exact reasons you brought up no real big star name it's a relatively new um hero so uh, yeah it's uh it's one that might take time to get a bit of traction that's the beauty of it being on a streaming surface you know people can just find it and watch it whenever yeah so like even the actress playing uh, miss marvel i think this is legit her first like major acting role of any kind so you know taking a chance on a new person who in real life knows the character and everything and knows marvel so sometimes you need to rely on somebody lesser known and for whatever obviously they want to take this character and have her be in the uh, the captain marvel sequel so imagine in the lead up to that premiere and after that when people get a chance like in a larger audience to see her as a character people then go back to that series and maybe watch it just to get a refresh or find out who this new character is if they didn't watch it the first time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, well, definitely uh, put a few more eyes on it. Yeah, I mean, I actually rewatched some of One Division season one before I went to see Multiverse of Madness and I made the first two episodes a little bit more enjoyable because now I saw little things that I wasn't even looking for the first time, like just every so often when someone looks at Wanda, you realise, like, yeah, they they just have, the, they have that look behind their eyes as, as they blink twice if you need someone to be sent for help. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, interesting when you watch uh, programmes like that uh, a second time round. You do sort of pick up things or notice things that make a bit more sense all of a sudden. 
So, uh, yeah. Then talking about that, uh, Multiverse of Madness um, hits um, Disney Plus on Wednesday or today, if you're listening to it on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So there you are, quite a quick quite a quick turnaround at the moment, isn't it? With, uh, yeah. I don't know. I was like, I think it said that it was around 40 or so days it was going to be from the time, the day of release to it coming on Disney Plus. So Dexter's all excited, is it because he, he wants to see Doctor Strange? Or is it maybe the food <laughs> that mom and dad ordered that he's wanting to get a bit of? Who knows, but he's a happy little dog. Uh, yeah, I'd lean towards the food, but who knows? Who knows? He might be a Doctor Strange fan. He's got, I've got my little cape and everything for the premiere. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, but that would be cool. But yeah, so it, May 6th, that, that film came out. So yeah, it has been a fairly quick... Uh, turnaround. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go back and see it, even though I wanted to. So I don't know about you, Carl, but I'm sure once the finale of Obi One airs and we've both seen it, we'll want to pretty sharpishly, you know, record our thoughts about it. But before we go into the boys, I don't, I don't know about you, if you want to maybe do a little episode on Doctor Strange before we move on. A we take a leap from Disney Plus over to Amazon Prime for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we could do. We could do. I'll probably get it watched reasonably quickly, I would imagine. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't feel as long as it actually is in, in some parts, I don't think so, because I know that's all I thought when this was kind of, this was going to be another, you know, lengthy one, much like, you know, No Way Home and The Batman. But it doesn't actually feel as long, and I think it'll be good for me to give it a rewatch, and then I'd be interested to hear, you know, your thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is That is what's to come. Maybe we must talk about what's already happened. What already happened is Kenobi episode five, and I don't know about you, Carl. I don't know if you had a particular favourite episode, like in, out of the ones we'd already talked about. But uh, I can't even remember what my old favourite was because this one immediately eclipsed uh, everything else so far. Like this is my favourite episode. I know I'm saying this before I've watched the finale, so I could be setting myself up to be corrected when I see the finale, but. Like even people I've talked to have described this as their favourite episode of the series. Yeah, it's um, it's really good. <clears throat> I think I still like three a little bit more. That's the one where sort of Vader and Obi Wan have that bit of a confrontation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this this isn't far behind it at all. It's a really good episode. Really good television. Yeah. I think it's just because of some of the reviews that we get, you know, mm. I like these kind of Disney Plus issues in that they do set up, you know, reveals and potential like bits that give you a lot of information that leads on to bigger reveals like later in the series, which means when you eventually get them, then, you know, it gives you stuff to talk about when the episode comes out. And there are quite a few, there were quite a few questions answered uh, in this episode that we had, but. We'll, we'll, bring into the, we'll go down to the episode. It kind of picks up almost immediately from the last episode. They go back to Jibin, where the people are all hiding. Uh, they return with, with Leia. You know, they're all mourning the loss of Wade, that character that we all know and love. We've all got our favourite memories of, of Wade. We could do a whole podcast about Wade's top moments to this, and his contributions to the Star Wars franchise. But, you know, we don't, we don't have... Oh, actually, sorry, we don't even start on that. I mean, I mean, I had my jokes prepared. I forgot about obviously the big reveal at the start of the episode is that we actually start in a flashback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were losing me there. I was thinking, where, well, yeah. but yeah, 
reason, reason I thought it started when you know they suddenly return with Leia and then you know they say oh we got her and everyone cheers even though most of them don't know who the little girl is. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's, uh, that's not how the episode starts. You know, it happens after this, but uh, we go to a flashback and it's Coruscant pre-Attack of the Clones and he's there. I wanted to see more of him outside, you know, a shot of him in the distance and his wee cloak or, you know, and he's back to the tank, but he's there with his shitty little rat's tail there. <laughs> but for some reason, they give to Padawans back then. Uh, Aiden Christensen is there as Anakin Skywalker. Obi-Wan's there looking like he did uh, in Attack of the Clones. And they're there for a little sparring session. So we don't see much, so we'll come back to it later on. But, uh, Carl, your thoughts on immediately getting a bit of Hayden to start this show? Yeah, it was great to see, see him out of the suit and uh, finally got a reason why he was actually hired for this um, <laughs> this series. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to see... Um, go back to, and see a bit of live action of um, Obi Wan and um, Anakin, a bit of a, as you say, spa slash training session, and mm-hmm. it's sort of spliced throughout the episode. Um, as like both, uh, by lots of it, both Vader and Obi Wan sort of uh, reminisce about old times and mm-hmm. remembering things as they remember things about each other. As they try to uh, get the better of each other throughout this episode, and mm-hmm. we also get uh, another little bit of a flashback as well later on in the episode of a different kind. So mm-hmm. it, it all starts to come together quite nicely. Yeah, definitely. I would have thought we'd have had more of these flashbacks at earlier points in the series, you know, to further you know justify you know Hayden coming back after all this time. And you know, maybe explore a little bit more of that relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin. That you know, it got a lot of love in the the Clone Wars like series. You know, also played voiced by different actors. But then you got to see a little glimpses of it in the prequels as well. The, you know, the father son almost relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin. Uh, and also, I I, I see notice that when you see Anakin looking off the distance, there's one big bulging kind of and that comes into focus. And I believe that's where. Uh, that's the same building you see them going up the elevator and at the start of Attack of the Clones. So that's where Padme would be living at that point. So, ah. you know, the Anakin, no, he's, he's stalking her from a distance. You, <laughs> <a little> <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you were a chair when you first met her. Now you're all grown up. She's too old for you. I know she looks great, but, you know, that's because she's Natalie Portman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm turning into Carl there. Uh, so, yeah, so literally the minute the lightsabers strike, you know, I was hoping they'd go back and like, don't just give me that little piece, show me more of it. But like, a beautiful bit of editing, yeah, similar to the the ending of episode two, where yeah, it'll be one face and it cut to hard cut to Vader in the back to down, but it cuts to Vader as the lightsaber strike, you know, on his star destroyer, and the third sister comes to him, and basically they've tracked Obi Wan back to wherever these people were hiding, and. He asks her to kneel for him and basically gives her the position of, of Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, yeah. She's finally anointed of the uh, position she's been chasing throughout the series. And, um, yeah, he's obviously been impressed by the way she's ruthlessly tracked down um, Obi-Wan 
And uh, yeah, they had for is it Jadeen? Jadeen, uh, sorry, that was yeah. it. Um, to find Obi Wan, as uh, as you recall, they hit a tracker in Lola. Uh, they there's a little robot that so they know where to exactly where to find him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it seems like at the start of the episode that you know Reva is getting everything you know she wanted. You mm-hmm. took at the Grand Inquisitor to get his spot stand by Vader, but uh, not for the reasons that you might think that she wanted to stand by him. As we'll see a little bit when she talks to Obi Wan Kenobi, but you know this it's kind of they look all solemn when they arrive back it. Jabim uh, with Kenobi and, and Leia and Tala. And then you see amongst all the people, uh, Hajj Estri, Dokino Nanjiani's characters uh, there. Goes, oh, yeah, yeah, now I'm wanted by the Empire <laughs> for, for helping you. <laughs> yeah. And now I know what it's like to be a Jedi. and It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> but he also says, what? as he walks off, there's business opportunities here. <laughs> but still thinking, still thinking about money. <laughs> Yeah, most of them probably don't have any credits, probably because they already paid you to get there in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All <laughs> <laughs> that, like, oh, I'll never know what it's like to be a real Jedi. Obi Wan gives him a look, they want to say, you fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, they start starting to roking uh, the guy who piloted them back to, and who, him whose wife was uh, force sensitive. Basically, talks about you know wanting to get Leia back to Alderaan like as soon as possible, and they said, "Yeah, we got all these other people. They've been waiting, you know, for months, and you know they're going by old trade routes in order to, you know, in order to, you know, bend it to and that delay their recent trip because obviously Obi Wan had to, you know, get Leia, and so could Obi promise to, you know, stay with them and help you know, as long as it takes." Uh, it kind of goes back to what the Grand Inquisitor said that even though one didn't want to help, you know, get involved at all with you know laying that at first, now that he is involved, he is doing all like he said, no Jedi can't help what they are, they have to, you know, help with their compassion. Yeah, and um, just as they sort of start talking about getting ready to leave, um, Loda starts flying around and tampers with something and the um sort of I don't know what it would like the the sort of doors that would let them out mm-hmm. take off through the roof, sort of start closing, trapping them inside as um the um em- the Empire sort of closing is closing closes in on them. So mm-hmm. uh yeah, it starts escalating quite quickly this episode. I know and I quite like that they, you know they didn't know way around it kind of reminded me of like I'm sure there were like plots in like the later episodes of uh, of Rebels, yeah, something like that. Like where the end of season three, where like Grand Admiral Thrawn finds it, where the Rebels are hiding, it felt very similar to to this in a lot of ways. But yeah, Vader's like Star Destroyer comes out of hyperspace, and Reva, you know, trying to try to say, oh no, if we try and trap them, you know, maybe they can hold out for like several days, and you know, Reva says like, if not them, we need to break. You know, because again, he's going back to his thing. Don't mm. can nobody that matters. Yeah, exactly. And um, Reva lands um, with a whole platoon of stormtroopers. And interestingly, uh, apart from one surprise a bit later on, we don't see any other of the Inquisitors in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, but maybe 
and they're not always allowed on, on Vader's ship, I don't know, but maybe also it plays into what happens later that maybe Weaver was being set up, which is why it was just her mm. being, being allowed on. Well, as you said, it's an honour to be aboard, so mm-hmm. I get the impression that apart from perhaps the Grand Inquisitor, the others don't get anywhere near near Vader, hence why she's trying to um, get to that position as mm-hmm. um, as as a plan. Yeah, yeah. They even talk about it when she's arguing back and forth with the fifth brother, and they don't even know who's going to be standing by Vader's side, so Vader pretty much keeps his distance from the Inquisitor other than you know, the head one, the Grand Inquisitor, it seems like. And and as you were saying, you know, Lola's, you know, taking out the, you know, the doors and everything. And Kenobi immediately consents that, you know, Vader is like near. And he goes, you know, you know, he's going to, you know, he doesn't have the patience for an attack. You know, he's going to like try and lay seeds to them right immediately. And so basically he's trying to, uh, he's trying to get everybody ready to defend themselves as we cut to another flashback. And, you see Anakin, you know, get a bit too aggressive in their sparring session. Yeah, and it's sort of, it's it's true to the character. It's this sort of classic Anakin that he was always like had very little patience, and he was always super aggressive with his lightsaber technique. And um, it, it appears that he's getting the better of Obi Wan, but I think Obi Wan sort of. Almost letting, I think we find that towards the end that Obi Wan sort of almost letting him to teach him uh, a valuable lesson that I'm not convinced he ever learns, but that's yeah. hell. Yeah, I mean, Anakin, uh, throughout these flashbacks, pretty much, you know, you know, it's not just training for him, like, you know, he wants to you know, get the better of his master, he wants to, you know, he has, he feels like he has to win because, you know, it's been 10 years and, you know, He's still a, you know, he's a grown man now. He's still a Padawan, so he's trying to like prove himself almost, and he wants to you know beat Obi Wan and you know Obi Wan, you know, admonishes him for his you know, aggressiveness. He said, you know, you know, a Jedi's goal is to defend life, not take it. Yeah, exactly. And um... I mean, I remember there was a point later on where I was hopeful, you know, Anakin's over Obi Wan. And I was hopeful at one point Anakin would comment that he had the high ground, and he never did. Because, <laughs> like, because uh, you know, there's a lot of jokes you can make about certain scenes and the, the prequels and everything. And like Obi Wan mentioning the high ground never seems so out of place because they never ever brought up you know the, the importance of high ground. So, but if they brought it up here, that you can imply that Obi Wan and Obi Wan partage, you know, the knowledge of you know it's always good to have the high ground, Anakin. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe maybe he never did, and that's why Anakin <laughs> made that mistake. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, yet once again, we're on Vader's, you know, Star Destroyer I, as the lightsabers, you know, clash together, and you know, and he and those for both James Earl Jones ways, he goes launch the attack <laughs> as as Obi Wan, you know, tries to or set everybody's tries to everybody's mind at ease, but basically then. Says to them that it's very likely we'll all die. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how that's going to make you feel any better, to be honest. His little speech. We're, we're outnumbered and outgunned, and probably we don't stand any chance against them, but 
We don't have to fight them. We only have to keep them at bay. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still not convinced about my chance of survival, Mr. <laughs> Obi-Wan, if, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, a career in motivational speaking is not you know, ahead of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi either. If we try to take them on head on, we will most certainly will die. Like, well, you know, there are children here, Obi-Wan, you know, they're a bit scared, you know, but, you know... You who's meant to care about the younglings and all that. Yeah, and also during the, the sort of time, uh, they're trying to work out how to get to the electronics and fix the door, and there's like a little vent, but everyone's too big for it, so Leia chips up, I'm going to need a ladder. And um, <laughs> he says, if this isn't playtime, and Obi-Wan's, no, listen to her, get, get her a ladder. So um, they get Leah up into the into the vent to try and fix the the doors and get them open again. Yeah, and before I was like, he says to Rogan, he's the one who says, "No, not now." And he says to him, "How long? How long would it take you to get the hangar door open?" And, like he goes, "About like three hours." He goes, "You have one." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not wanting to rush you or anything. Yeah, <laughs> and. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not and long you, after we get he he asks for a parlay with um, Reva, doesn't he? Wants to try and wants to try and talk to her. Yeah, because you got the uh, stormtroopers who are trying to you know bust down you know the door. Uh, everybody behind it, you know, kind of readying themselves for when the stormtroopers you know eventually rush in. You know, I don't know why Reva didn't think to immediately try and cut the doors open with her. Like, yeah, but <laughs> she does a good job of it later on. But you know. Much like when you can't get somebody something open and someone else does it immediately, you go, I listened to that. The stormtroopers are probably thinking that they've said, like, <laughs> well, we weaken those doors for your lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they sort of talk to each other from opposite sides of the door, and uh, um, Obi Wan sort of figures out that, you know, she must have been a youngling in the temple because how else would she know that? Vader is Anakin because Obi Wan sort of theorised that he would have he would have kept that uh, a close secret. This is the only way he could have known if if you were there when when all the the young the younglings were attacked. And then we get like a a bit of a flashback as um, Reva sort of explains um, that she was there and um, and what happened. And yeah. She thought that he was coming to save them, uh, and he was—he sort of killed them all. And she managed to hide herself amongst the dead bodies until they left. And we see a couple of flashbacks um, of a mean and angry-looking Anakin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the he's got the cloak over his head. He's got the stormtroopers either side him, and if you looking at it, it seems like you know the. We had that scene at the start of the episode where I think actually that same balcony that Obi Wan and I are training on is the same balcony that you see the younglings training on, and then the Jedi that they wrote those trying to protect them gets killed on the the bridge. And it feels like well, you know, the bit work cut off when they were running. It seems maybe when they got together, and that's where they got confronted with with Anakin. And I think some editing here, and then some brief shots when you look back on it, where she kind of occasionally touches her a bit her stomach area that implies that maybe she was kind of like hit with his lightsaber but mm. didn't die and so basically like played dead like you said she said like hiding amongst the the bodies feeling them go cold and somehow hiding and then eventually she was 
she was you know, picked up by the Inquisitors and trained to, in their ways. I do like the way that Obi Wan, you know, you know, figures it out because I think you know there've been multiple people who've pointed out like how would she know that he's Anakin Skywalker and he goes like, and so obviously it shows like, like you need to wait and see. You know, you give it time, you give it a couple of episodes, and then you get the reveal and Obi Wan figuring out like and like the Knight of Order sixty six. You were a youngling doing the Obi Wan. Obviously, he's still got all his faculties. He can. He's not an idiot. Yeah, and it also um, comes full circle from the the very first episode of the series, the very first scene, which mm-hmm. uh, is opened with um, the the you know, Anakin's attack on the on the temple on on the younglings. So uh, you know, it all we sort of many of many people theorised that's that's what that's what was going on that um, Reva was there way back in the day and um that's why we had that flashback and yeah we were proved right and it, it all makes sense it's all all nicely tying together yeah i remember in the first episode i said that i was kind of wishing that in that flash that we got an anakin and clearly we did it but just we didn't get it then they held off on that part of it mm. until uh, here and it was nice i mean I don't want to say it's nice to see anakin because he's killing children basically but you know you only got implications of what Anakin did at the temple. It would have been nice to see him actually fight some Jedi in the temple during Revenge of the Sith, you know, and not just, you know, implications of him just murdering children. But, yeah, you know, and again, it's nice to see Hayden get more involved in the the episode, but it revealed that, obviously, Obi-Wan then started thinking about, you know, fight, the idea of, like, fighting all this way to stand beside him, and you're, like, not, you're not trying to stand beside him, you're trying to get your revenge on basically she's once they get close enough to to Vader, that she can basically take him out. Yeah, I think he says, you're not working for him, you're hunting him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, let me help you. And this is why, why would I let you help me? He's like, you can't do it on your own. So you, you have no idea what I've done on my own. And she goes, why, why should I trust you? You you were his, you know, Anakin was your Padawan. Why did, why weren't you there? What, where were you when he was killing us all? Why didn't you help us? So she has obviously got a bit of anger towards Obi-Wan as well. So um, that kind of explains it as well. She sort of feels he's partially to blame because, you know, he wasn't there to help. And, you know, he, he was the one who sort of skilled Anakin and made Anakin what he is today, basically. Yeah, again, we talked about, you know, what's her issue with Kenobi, like, she was so hell-bent on getting him, and, yeah, he, like, he's the man who trained the guy who killed, you know, the young lines, people she calls her family, and then, you know, I know, I'm sure Reva's not to know, they're like, hey, I was in the middle of trying to kill General Grievous, and then my own, my own clones turned on me, I had my own issues going on. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't exactly an easy day at the office for for Obi-Wan. He he barely got out of that situation alive himself, in fairness. I had to use a blaster. Do you know how uncivilised those are? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Before we move on, I think we actually skipped over a little moment or two before this scene, because it's a bit of a but we'll go back, because there's some emotional bits before that happens where Obi-Wan sneaks off, because he's got a little like hologram message mm. uh, from Bail Organa, who you know he said how he's, your silence you know worried me, you know he wants to ensure that Leia like, is safe, and you know he said the fader if he learns of the children, he said you know if I don't hear from you in a couple of days, I'll I'll head to Tatooine, I'll I'll watch over the boy, you know Ben, 
know, Owen will need my help. And, you know, fairly, obviously, it seems inconsequential and that, you know, obviously, Bale's, of course, going to be concerned, obviously, that you'd imagine there was no communication between him and Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan's trying to stay hidden and get Leia back without, you know, much, you know, being tracked by the Empire. But that didn't work out for him. But then, obviously, the he probably Yeah, he probably doesn't want to risk uh, revealing who Leia really is as well. So that might be another reason he's, he'd rather not say anything. Yeah, but then I think the, some of the wording of, of this thing will come back later on when Reva gets just part of the message later on mm. in the episode. So as they said, they're all like, as they said, we want to like, I'll head to Tatooine, you know, if he learns of Leia, then he'll know of Luke and Owen will need, you know, help. And as he listens to that, he has a little conversation with Tala as well and talks about, you know, basically one of the reasons that she, one of the events that led her to turning against the Empire that she was running up these four cents of people, most of them children, and uh, basically she didn't know what the Inquisitors were, but they said she'd either round them up for the Inquisitors and then just, like, slaughtered them. And yeah. she yields on her belt that she makes a mark for each person she gets out, you know, trying to redeem herself, and she said 14 people die, but there's more than 14 marks on the bit that she marks through about people who she gets out safely, implying, obviously, even if she gets like 20 or 30 more people than she let die, it's still not going to be enough for her. She's always going to feel guilty. Yeah, I think it was under the um, switch screen of tax evasion or something, wasn't it, that they were rounded up for, and then, yeah, they were just unmercifully struck down. And, yeah, upon witnessing that, she decided uh, to sort of join the rebels and whatnot and, uh, and that sort of makes sense as well for for her character and why she is you know is what she is what she is and like an undercover sort of mm-hmm. double agent kind of thing so uh yeah it's it's nice that they've they have thought about things and made it made sense which is uh really cool yeah i think it was good to have that because you know yeah Tyler, she was Maybe the person that I met said, oh, I used to be in there. No, I'm working against the Empire now even because I joined them. But now they went against what I thought they stood for. And it does go to show, obviously, how so many people do blindly join the Empire a bit and how quickly they can, once they see what the Empire is really about, how quickly some people can turn. And, you know, again, remembering this dramatic event does really help flesh her character out, which would would be important because if she didn't have this moment, and I don't think a moment she has later on would have the uh, the impact that it does. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's a well written scene, and uh, yeah, it's to say it helps to make um, a, a death more memorable when it comes, which isn't too far away. The you know the the stormtroopers come flooding in, and mm-hmm. you know they they start having to fight for their lives. And um, Tyler gets shot and uh, is pretty much mortally wounded. So there's quite a touching moment where that um, uh, loaded droid sort of shields mm-hmm. her as well. And um, he eventually gets shut. He shuts down because uh, he's, he's taken so much fire. Uh, on his back as he's sh- uh, shielding Tyler. And she has like a little bomb. And just uh, 
just as everybody sort of gives everyone just a chance to get away and she she, she um, detonates that getting rid of a few um, a few of the enemies and getting everyone to retreat but um, sort of after that we get a scene again of Vader on the Star Destroyer and he gets um, a message from one of his officers he's he says, um, the Grand Inquisitor says they've been breached and um, Vader sort of gets um, makes the order to prepare uh, for him to land on the planet mm-hmm. yeah he tells her like stand down and he's going to work his again mm. he wants to be the one that gets Kenobi because like they had that moment between her and, her and Obi-Wan Tony and he'll say the door where she eventually just like enough talking stabs the lightsaber like through the door nobody has to quickly move back from the door and then the it opens up and then a little bit quickly he just forces her back with the using the force to kind of buy them some time and it's very like claustrophobic because you feel like they're trying to basically box them in their own hideout you know and people are being shot on both sides Obi-Wan's got the lightsaber he's not holding back anymore he's full on cutting down stormtroopers there's a couple of like you know black armored stormtroopers it takes them a few Hats to take them down. And yeah, the Ned B drive was cool as well because there's one point where a sword trooper goes to go past him, he just grabs him and launches him into the air. <laughs> yeah. You sort of see um, how skilled the warrior Obi Wan really is as he sort of mm-hmm. pretty much easily dispatches of uh, stormtroopers of his um, of the and, force. Yeah, yeah and yeah, and yeah, the moment with uh, with Tal and everything, yeah, because like they're getting people back, and like, Tal is like one little few there, so I almost feel like oh god, something bad is gonna happen here. And then the bit where the droid stands in front of his orbit, all his shots, you can see he's like his eyes get going out, so he's about to shut down as well. It kind of reminded me of the sad moment uh, where Key to S two tries to mm. buy the Rebels time uh, towards the end of Rogue One. So like just, and then you got that moment in the Rise Skywalker, the sweet moment where. You know, three people be first to forget who he is today in order to help everybody else. So, like, what's with the recent Star Wars trying to make the droids, you know, sacrifice themselves? So, there was even that bit in Buddy in the Mandalorian season one where Taika Waititi's droids had to, like, basically melt himself in the lava. Like, Star Wars just can't help themselves, like, giving overly dramatic deaths to droids. I know, it's crazy how they make the droids feel like real people and you actually sort of care for, um, you know the the health and well being as you're watching it, and you don't want them to to get destroyed. And even though you know they're only robots because they're such um, well written characters, so it's uh, I always think it's a testament to to the writing and acting that you know they make you care for these these robots basically. Yeah, and it really you know has a certain one because you can see. I don't have to say anything, but like the droid looks at Tal and they look back at each other and it's like kind of mm. sweet moment. And he goes back to like episode three or something. Oh, it doesn't understand. You know, it's just the water doesn't speak, but it's, it, it says so much just by its action. The fact that it protected Tal, even though it ended up leading to both their their deaths, and he brings the thermal detonator, detonator out and yet Reaver the whole time basically marks and like yelling, screaming, and, like box him and don't let anybody escape. And as soon as she sees the like. He's got that look up, he's like, get back! And he's <laughs> yeah. just, just running. Uh, it's bought them some time, but they do they are they do know that their time's limited and invaders uh invaders coming as well. 
we Obi Wan basically hands his lightsaber and everything, his communicator thing to the Hazes, basically wanting to be confronted very annoyed. It would be too fixated on me, and he's going to try and give himself up. And he goes like, and they ask him, "Are you going to fight without a weapon?" He goes, "There's more than one way to fight." Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, he's sort of. Um, oh, I forgot his name now. What's the name of that? Um, yeah, you don't know about the guy who asked him about yeah. uh, uh, Roken, I believe his name Roken, is. that's it. Um, he sort of argues uh, against everyone giving himself up, saying, like, you know, we've been fighting too long for this. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you get captured now, Tyler died for nothing, but um, Obi-Wan uh, knows what he's doing. And I think we get a little bit of a flashback around about mm-hmm. now, don't we? Where... Um, yeah. Anakin thinks he's got the upper hand because he's um, disarmed um, Obi-Wan as in taking his lightsaber off him, not to, to cut no. his arm off or anything. Uh, I think that he takes the lightsaber away in a different way, mm. but they do have a moment where it does look like he's getting the, the need for him, the, the better of him. He said, oh, you know, you're slowing down, soon you'll be beaten, and Kenobi says to him, like, your need for victory, you know, it blinds you, and I believe there is, I don't know if it's in this fight or in the next one, but there is a scene where Obi-Wan's down, getting kneeling down, and Anakin, the way he's just repeatedly hard, like swinging his lightsaber down mm. on him, it does kind of matter look towards the end of their fight uh, in Return of the Jedi. It really does, Peter doesn't Sanders. it? Yeah. I never mm. thought about that until you just brought it up now. Yeah. That's um, like father, like son, isn't it? Mm. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, there you go. As I say, that's, that's like an interesting little thing, and I bet, but it wasn't done by accident either. Yeah, I think there are maybe several like, parallels between looking and Anakin in a way, because even that scene that, that it's referencing, like, it's these robot hand, I think they cuts off, and then also they see the similarities that also Luke has his cat hand cut off in the, the previous fight, so I definitely think it was intentional as well. Uh, also, Obi Wan kind of wants to surrender himself, and like she orders, he kneels down. Uh, she says, he, uh, "Reva says that you know, tell Vader that we've got him and everything." He goes, "No, you're not bringing me to him. I'm bringing him to you." Yeah, that's quite a, a, an interesting and cool line. And um, yeah, he's he's got his he's got his plan of action, and. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think he gets taken back inside by Chase Turner, who he quickly disarms, even without his lightsaber. And he kind of tries to set his like, plan in motion while uh, Leia finally finds Lola. Who, I think attack is a, is a strong word. She basically flies at her because she's not got no mm. real weapons, but she, she manages to easily find that there's a restraining bolt on her. She takes that off. And uh, you know, Lola's back to her old self. and she uses a light to help her find like, a way to open the door. You could, since you could understand her, why didn't you just ask her what did you do to this thing and how can we fix it? <laughs> but yeah, she's they got it sorted out in the end though, so uh, makes a little difference. But yeah, Vader, but Vader sort of, Vader lands and um, tells Reva he'll take him in himself, and mm-hmm. as the doors open, you see. Um, a lot of dead stormtroopers, and there's a quick scene of Obi Wan finishing the last couple off with a blaster um, mm-hmm. and legging it. 
and Vader sort of makes his way up to the the docking area, and as the ship's taken off, he, he uses a force to to pull it back. So mm-hmm. it sort of shows how sort of powerful Vader is. Uh, he's strong enough of the force that you know a whole sort of freighter ship he can uh, hold from taking off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like he's maybe one of the most. Also, I think by essentially being one of the few Force users left because of our made Jedi, because like he's one of the most powerful like people, you know, uses Force wielders out there. So I think it's the biggest display of any sort we've seen of Vader's actual power across any like live action medium. I think is you know we pulls it down and like you're kind of it was the great tense book because we just easily pulls it down and then just rips the side off of it. Mm. You didn't know like how because like they went through all this like how are they gonna get. This, but it was a decoy. It was a where that the second ship immediately zooms off quick before Vader can process that he's been tricked, and um, I'm sure he uh, was not happy about that. Uh, it leads to our final flashback where you know Bay is like sparring with Anakin, and he manages to get away, get back on his feet, but then he gets his lightsaber knocked away, and Anakin basically says to him, "You know, well your weapon's gone, then uh, it's over," and he smiles. And Obi Wan manages to, you know, fend himself, use his, you know, fight him physically by and avoid the lightsaber, and then manages to knock him down and grab Anakin's lightsaber. So he basically, again, proved what he said in the, like, what he said in present day, but there's more than one way to fight. And he basically did that by taking Anakin's own lightsaber away from him while he didn't have one of his own. And he says, Anakin, you're a great warrior. But this need to fear yourself will be your undoing. And until you can, you know, overcome that, you'll always be a bad one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A, a big life lesson for Anakin there, which, as I said earlier, I don't really think he paid too much attention to in the long run, judging by his, act- judging by his actions throughout the rest of the, the prequel films. And, uh, and as Vader, to, to be fair... Mm-hmm. And um, as he's watch, as he's looking at watching the the ship disappear, um, Reva sort of sneaks up on him. Well, he thinks she sneaks up on him, but um, pretty sure he's aware of her presence. And um, yeah, they kind of had a bit. Uh, I really call it a bit a battle. Vader, Vader kind of just toys with her, really, doesn't he? He sort of says to her. Obi Wan was wise to use you against me. Mm-hmm. Or he or he was wise to use you against me. And uh she's just absolutely blinded and fueled by anger at this point. And she's trying to attack Vader, but he's using the force before she can even strike him down. He's he's just far too powerful for her, basically. Mm-hmm. Again, another show of Lady's power because you got I forgot that she it's not just a grand inquisitor, that's the two sided of the blade. Uh, it's all like Inquisitor, so she has it, it's all spinning. She's trying to use it, it create some distance, but he's just using the force. And just how slowly it just stops. Mm. <laughs> and he gets it like off of her. He snaps it in the two separate lightsabers and just throws one to her. So he barely even uses the lightsaber, he just uses it once or twice. But he's that powerful that even when there's a better duel where there's a lightsaber involved, he doesn't even feel it necessary to get his own lightsaber out. Like he just uses her own weapon against her. Yeah, he sort of throws it to her, like, to give her a a chance to <laughs> to deal with him. But um, 
she's got no chance at all, bless her. Yeah, I mean, less than one of trying to kill somebody without them knowing, don't scream before you ignite your weapon, you know, because that was you know, the first indication, I'm pretty sure you could sense her, you know, coming in. Really, I think this is, you know, basically paralleling the, the ending of the flashback between him and Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan was able to get the better of Anakin without a weapon and use his against them. And basically Vader, now being more powerful, can basically do the same with Reaver, who, much like Anakin was, is blinded just by a singular by a singular goal. But inevitably, she's, he gets the better of her. And, you know, so there's a very creative end. She's on her knees looking back up at Vader once again. And it cuts between that and her as a young one looking up at Anakin in Order 66 before she's inevitably stabbed in the gut with her own lightsaber. And, you know, just this cold line because did you really think I did not see it, youngling? Yeah, applying that basically Vader knew her plan all along. Pretty much, yeah, and decided to to use her to draw Obi-Wan out while um, for his own sort of end game. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we also see uh, alive and well Grand Inquisitor make an appearance mm-hmm. and he, he takes a little... Grand Inquisitor sort of motif offer yeah. and uh, puts him on himself and he goes, and we'll, we'll leave you here where you belong, in the gutter. I, know, I, I think like, there's a shot where you can see him like behind Vader uh, like walking up with people. like He's in the back room. I didn't even see that. So I didn't notice he was there until it cut to the show where she's looking up and he appears like behind Vader's shoulder. I'm like, oh, he's alive. And... You know, I didn't need much explanation as to how he how he survived. Like, he, he, I think his species, it said his species had like m- more than one stomach, so that's how he probably lived. But you know, he has that line, you know, revenge does wonders for the will to live, don't you think? Which uh, uh, might play into the season finale because <laughs> it doesn't quite, it doesn't look like Reaver's done yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, it goes back to other the other example is like Vader, uh, like Maul. Part of the reason he lived, even though he got his lights cut off, uh, he claims that it was just his hatred and of Obi Wan that partly kept him going. Uh, and, yeah, and it, you know, it also kind of helps that the lightsabers automatically cauterize the wounds as well, so you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about bleeding to death uh, <laughs> when you're cut with a lightsaber either, which probably probably helps with your survival rate a little bit. Yeah. No, it's a little consolation when you have no legs anymore. To be no, honest. no, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, so she she gets easily like beaten by V, and then they look down on her like, yeah, like we're just gonna leave you here because you know, like you're all they, none of them really cares for her, and now that they know what she was up to, they care even less of her. So she's been you know left there. She's like the lowest among them. Is that's how they see her. Mm. And like Vader, like his whole thing, Kenobi was all that mattered to him. So even though he could tell that she was up to no good, it was hard that probably took her the Grand Inquisitor. He's like, like, well, she'll probably lead me to Kenobi. So if she can get me Kenobi, that's one victory, and I can deal with her whenever I see fit. Yeah, he, he knows she's not a match for him, so uh, it's not he's not too asked about her one way or the other as long as as you say she can leave him for Kenobi and as they do leave him she sort of crawls sort of tries to crawl a bit on the floor in agony and she finds um, the little transmitter that Obi-Wan used that had she dropped and um, she triggers it 
and she learns about um, Luke uh, and where he is. So, and, and as she does so, um, we see Obi-Wan on the escaping ship and he sort of feels something. So maybe it's a bit of a disturbance in the force or, or something because um, he sort of realises something is wrong. And um, the episode sort of ends with a shot of Luke sleeping in his bed. So I have a feeling that we will find enough energy to, to perhaps go to Tatooine and perhaps uh, try and get a use Luke to get uh, to get Obi-Wan for a bit of revenge because he sort of tricked you know sort of tricked her basically as well to, so everyone could get away and she also blames him partly for what Anakin did in, in order 66 anyway so that's probably uh, going to be our sort of final battle between Reaver and Obi-Wan I think the was Jesus of another thing between Obi-Wan and Vader at some point during the season, so I think maybe they'll have another meeting during finale. Maybe, but maybe that tease meant that little sparring session, so I can't imagine Vader would go to to Tawin, because then he'd probably realise about Luke, so I mean that would bring up too many plot holes personally. I'm wondering if you might get a, a brief cameo from the emperor or just a voice cameo sort of telling him to stop in his pursuit of obi-wan and uh, you know i need you to oversee the final things of the the uh the death star or or whatever so um might get something like that to take him out of the take him out of the the rest of the episode because I don't know. I just I might be proven wrong, but I just find it hard to believe he he will go chase everyone to Tatooine. So unless he doesn't realise he's left that ship, perhaps because he might take a small shuttle or something to to race back because he realises Luke's in impending danger. But we'll have to. But we'll we'll see that that episode will um, shed light on the matter. Tomorrow or today or yesterday, whenever you're watching it. <laughs> yeah, whenever you're listening, this, uh, you're listening to this before the finale, get yourself all geared up for it. You know, get yourself in the Kenobi spirit. You know, I don't know if the fight will take place in Tatooine. If there is one between Vader and Obi Wan, but I like to see one take place though, because Obi Wan's probably got a start at the finale, taking her back, taking you know, Leia back to Alderaan. Maybe he'll encounter Vader. How I see it is that maybe he encounters Vader, manages to get away, and then you'll see. Yeah. He gets away from Vader once again and uh, he rides on Tatooine. You think, okay, everything's all right, but then he suddenly senses the danger to look. And then there's one final brief fight between him and Reaver, but I don't think Reaver will put up much of a fight because he's injured. You know, I see it kind of going a fight between him and Reaver going similar to like that brief Maul fight in Rebels, a Rebel, mm. where Maul confronts an old like Kenobi and Kenobi doesn't really engage him until, he, until Maul senses like you're protecting someone, aren't you? And then seeing him as a threat to look at immediately kind of cuts him down. Yeah, he might he might have no choice but uh, to kill Reaver as well if she knows too much about um, mm-hmm. Luke and everything as well. So we might might find he has a, a difficult decision to make towards the end of the ep- uh, end of the episode. But yeah, it could play out like you say as a bit of a battle with Vader sort of in the middle of the episode. If it's going to be an extended episode, so there might be plenty of time to ram in a bit more. And you say, as you say. We skipped him getting back to Tatooine, and uh, yeah, he meets um, 
Reva, who's got perhaps got Luke hostage or threatening Luke in in some way or another, or just waiting, for, or perhaps just waiting for Obi Wan in his little cave or something. Who knows? But yeah, it's going to be a fun episode, definitely. Can't wait for yeah. it. Yeah, because like she only catches glimpses because it's cutting in and out when she mm. listens to the message, but she also recognizes her guy because she, she orchestrated the kidnapping of his daughter. But he mentions Owen Tatooine, the children. He said, So I think also she recognizes she talked to an Owen on Tatooine and thing like he said he didn't know anything about a Jedi. He lied. Why would he lie? And then also he can sense that something, I don't know if she immediately knows that he's. Like Vader's kid or anything, but he, he probably sends these four sense up in some way, and mm. Obi Wan has an attachment to him. From what said, you could probably put two and two together and mm. uh, make that assumption reasonably easily, uh, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, as you, as we say, it's going to be interesting. So uh, yeah, look forward to that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's rumours I've heard. I don't know if it's confirmed until I watch it tomorrow that. The, the finale could be somewhere between an hour, maybe an, an hour and a half to wrap everything up. And there's still a lot to hopefully talk about in the show. Yeah, we've seen Vader like, come to the Inquisitor like Forges, but also he's been on his Star Destroyer. And like, we've had a zero mention of a Death Star here because like we see it getting you know, built at the end of Episode 3. And like, they've had 10 years to build it, you know, unless it's drastically behind schedule. And so whoever's been running it's made a shit show of it. You know, you think... The fact that there's a, a giant superstation out there that can blow up planets would be something that comes up with more regular conversation. Yeah, I know. And they, uh, they built the um, the second one a lot quicker, didn't they? And that's perhaps the uh, second one was already in production, for all we know, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know if they even properly say how much time passes between Empire and Jedi, but you wouldn't expect it to be that long, would you? No, I think it's a few years, but I don't. I wouldn't have thought it was like ten or, or ten or whatever. But could be wrong. Yeah, well, yeah. There's a lot to you know, start to come, hopefully, in this finale. And most importantly of all of it, Qui Gon, Qui Gon, or I will be very angry. Yeah, yeah, I think it's quite likely we might do. I mean, Liam Neeson's put his voice to that new series that's coming along, so it wouldn't be too much of a stress that stretch that he does a little uh, Force Ghost cameo at the end as a bit mm-hmm. of fan service. Um, so yeah, I'd be quite like yourself, I'd be quite disappointed if we don't get that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it only it only has to be like a couple of minutes, kind of mm-hmm. long and everything. Uh, you know, just right, even if right at the end of the episode where Obi-Wan's in his little, you know, cave towards the end, or maybe it's, uh, uh, he goes to meditate on the way back to Tatooine and he communicates with Qui-Gon and it's Qui-Gon that tells him that, like, you need to get back, you know, the boy's in trouble, like, and he tells him that, uh, that Reva's, you know, that Reva knows about him. Yeah, it could be, or I can just see the episode ending with him meditating. You get a quick glimpse of, um, Quite gone, maybe two or three words, and then the episode sort of ends like that. Wouldn't surprise me, you know, just when you think you're going to get uh, a few minutes of him, the episode ends as soon as he shows up. Yeah, I mean, as long as I get to hear and speak, I'd be happy with that. But, uh, Carl, this episode that we were talking about, uh, filled with a lot of twists, turns, reveals, 
a great little uh, fight scene between Obi Wan and Anakin. You know, not 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 as many flips as the Revenge of Sith fight, but you know, it's that classic you know style of fight that you got to see during a lot of the duels during the prequels and everything like that. So uh, it's also good, always good to see Ewan and Hayden on screen together and everything. Uh, it sets up some great stuff for the finale. What are you giving this episode out of ten? Uh, I'm going to give it ten out of ten. I think. There we go. Is there an episode you haven't given ten to? Yes. In this yes. Season? Yes, there is. How dare you? I'm I don't just, think just... I gave. I don't think I gave episode four the highest of scores, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think you still gave it an eight or a nine. Uh, I went. Well, I went uh, a lot. Might have been a, yeah, it might have been a seven, eight, or a seven. It wasn't. It wasn't super high, I don't think. But I can't possibly remember a week ago. Jesus Christ, can't remember yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I think I gave episode four a seven because there were some aspects that like did seem very repetitive that we'd seen in Star Wars before, as entertaining as they were. The, the fact that also the lowest we've rated an episode so far is a seven still speaks to its quality. But I just I, I hate up how much I liked the episode at the start. So of course I'm giving this a ten. Uh, we're like bloody a couple of Dave Meltzer here just throwing star ratings out <laughs> top five stars, six stars throwing it all about and you know all this you know, expectation how highly we've rated it there's going to be a lot of expectations for this finale but uh, there is some unfortunate breaking news here at Rogue Opinions as uh, an internal investigation sweeps Rogue Opinions officers I'm going to have to <laughs> stand down as CEO and and chairman of Rogue Opinions, as um, as me and Nathan were swapping Liam around like a toy. <laughs> so, <laughs> but don't, but, but don't worry, Rahul's coming back as interim chairman and, and CEO, so we'll be fine and dandy. <laughs> I love that Rahul, of all people, is your stepmom, man. We do have a female member of Rogue Opinions. I know she's not been on in a while, but still. <laughs> even even though she's not been around recently, she'd still be a better leader than Buddy. <laughs> Buddy Dexter would be, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, he's a good boy. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I don't even know how to fucking respond to that. Jesus fucking good. You, Nathan Lean, you created an image in my head before Dan <laughs> I did not want. <laughs> we got your sausage, Scott. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I may never have sausages again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, Carl, you absolute reprobate. Before you take your leave of absence, please tell us what you have been working on or are working on here with the things that doesn't involve traumatizing poor Liam. <laughs> Liam's not be traumatising me, to be fair. Um, not a huge amount, actually. Just um, you can go back um, into our back catalogue and listen to um, the, the the football roundup. Me and uh, Liam did Guns and Devils as we uh, sort of reviewed a very disappointed season for both of our teams. Um, you can also go back into the Rogue Opinions back catalogs and look at our um, Rogue Chronicles series where um, we talk about uh, some of the most interesting and powerful villains in pop culture. And uh, Darth Vader, I think, was the first one we did, or it was certainly one of the first ones we did. Um, so that's an interesting one. And, he, and he's still the 
we did a little scoring system and he remained the highest ranked villain um, throughout the uh, whole run. So just shows you um, you know, sort of how powerful um, Darth Vader Darth Vader is. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and sort of how popular he is in pop culture as well because we sort of used that as a bit of a rating. And I, I kind of remember, I'm just about old enough to remember when Return of the, the Jedi came out and you pretty much couldn't go anywhere without seeing uh, Darth Vader lunchbox or flask or something with his with his image on. Um, the George Lucas must have made millions out of him but yeah so you can go back to that hopefully me and um, Nathan will do a a tennis pod where we review Wimbledon once that's out of the way in uh, three or four weeks and there might be another 18 pod as well which I'm sure Scott will mention too as we try and create our own NXT superstars so hopefully we'll record that in the next couple of days so uh, keep your ears and eyes peeled out for that and as always you can find me at Carlos underscore fire 80 on Twitter and Instagram and find us at rogue underscore opinions on Twitter and Instagram. Very good. I think you and Nathan should be figuring out your fucking legal defense rather than talk about bloody tennis. But <laughs> rogue opinions, I've not got much on right now. You can follow me on Twitter and what I'm, I'm doing at Scott McLeod 1996. Uh, back down to a brief break, but uh, some changes are actually happening with, internally within SmackDown. <laughs> I'll cover uh, when we do another episode. Uh, also, I've got this with Carl. I definitely think you guys should definitely be doing. I definitely think you guys should be doing more role playing because I always enjoy listening to them. I got the chance to be on an episode talking about Thanos as well. You think he ranked eventually uh, quite highly uh, on this feed as well as its own feed, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, uh, which you can also follow on Twitter at SP Rambling. Uh, we've got some very related content. We've got plans for some interesting film and wrestling reviews going in the next couple of weeks but uh, this week we're focused on Slammiversary from Impact Wrestling that just went down, probably a lot to talk about with that show I'm quite busy over on the SSR uh, I recently recorded a feature show with them, in a pay-per-view look back uh, at King of the Ring 2002 which uh, this Thursday is 20 years old officially we recorded it earlier on in the week, but and funny talk about Star Wars. Uh, I looked up the top film at, uh, for that pod. I looked the top film at that point in June 2002. We were two weeks gone from Attack of the Clones dominating the box office. We oh, were wow. in the third. We were in the third. Third. We're in the second of third. We were in the second of three weeks of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man dominating the box office when uh, King of the Ring. You no, know, Attack of the Clones had six weeks. Then it was three weeks of Spider-Man. Then apparently, according to the source I looked up, it was one week of Minority Report, starring Tom Cruise and and Colin Farrell. And then that was knocked off with, uh, I felt that I'd have a two-week run at number one in the UK box office, which was Scooby-Doo. <laughs> wow, can't believe all those films were 20 years ago. Jesus bloody Christ. I know. There were some films like, Jesus, I should they do with actually a decent year of films, because I looked across that list, you know, somewhere in there, Austin Powers and Goldmember was in there as well. You know, and talk again, talk about Star Wars, but he came in Jarrett himself, Freddie Prince Jr., man, started his own wrestling company within that film. <laughs> uh, and also, James Gunn apparently wrote that, that Scooby Doo movie. Oh, did he? Never knew that. Mm-hmm. We've all got to get our starts uh, somewhere, apparently. But yeah, I did that for SSR. 
uh, this Japanese wrestling planet do over there, East Meets West, had an episode of Dale Week talking about the Super Juniors and Dominion. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the G1 Climax uh, lineup and the out well out from Forbidden Door. Uh, and they've also got news pods over there. They've they've got their fair share. They've had people on the panel talking about uh, Vince's stuff. You know, I wasn't on that show, but you should go back and check it out because it's still a mad story to think about. You know, and I can't believe Carl is falling in the footsteps of his clear hero, Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... Just to follow up even more, we're letting Scott go due to budget cuts. What budget? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wait till you wait, wait till I go and talk as Jimmy Baxter and do my hour long <laughs> shoot interview where I talk about how creatively bankrupt this place is and how much I and how unhappy I was. I was begging those guys to let me go for months. <laughs> <laughs> Scott McLeod, the Sasha Banks of uh, Rogue Opinions. Oh, that means I've got some weirdos following me on Twitter that explains those GM. <laughs> I thought those I thought those were Nathan's dick pics. <laughs> like, Jesus, he's been busy. <laughs> uh, does, oh, doesn't doesn't just stop at Liam, I'm afraid. Ah, <laughs> uh, the fan must be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's a good like, job. It's a good job we know Nathan will never listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. This this is a... He hates Star Wars, so, yeah, we just say what the fuck we want. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, trying to stop... I mean, he's, the he's, the biggest, he's the biggest knob and ever, that's face. <laughs> oh, yes, entirely. But, you know, with Nathan trying to, you know, stop that man these dick pics as much as like doing a podcast or trying to escape <laughs> Darth Vader it's not easy. <laughs> this is taking a, a bad turn. It's all my fault. I do apologise. <laughs> I think it's time we go before we corrupt any more young minds before they can watch the Obi-Wan finale. <laughs> Enjoy, Kenobi, everybody. We'll be back next time. Yeah, bye.